I said to my wife, I was talking to my wife in New Zealand. I, I'm not being rude here, but you're just behind the times. They've already had Sunday. So... <laughs> Yeah, you've got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> They've already had signs, wonders, and miracles. So, you know. <clears throat> I said, I'm in a church that feels the same culture as home. So I want to encourage you as a church. And I want to encourage you as a church because there are many people who say, what's the point of all this fun and laughter and joy and all that stuff? Well, it's because we're bringing heaven to earth. You know, people who don't understand that have never thought about what the Bible teaches us about heaven. And so, but just qu very quickly, our story, revival came 23 years ago. I was, I was raised as a Pentecost. I was raised knowing the things of the Spirit. I was raised knowing what divine healing was. I was 17 before I saw a doctor. And uh, the first time I went to a, a hospital, they, they said, who's your doctor? And I don't have one. And they said, well, have you never been sick? Yes. Well, what did you do? Pray, stupid. And so, you know, I know what it was to have miracles. I, I, I was a boy. Our parents never had any money. We were living up in the bush and, and just have to cut wood to get our hot water and, and cook food and stuff. And, and so I was a 10-year-old boy and had a three and a half pound axe. And I put the three and a half pound axe into my ankle. So you can see the scar there. And uh, so what happened is, of course, I yelled, and mum comes out. What's happened? She takes the axe out of my ankle, slaps her hand on it, and says, be healed in Jesus' name, puts a Band-Aid on it, and that was my total surgery. And, and I became a champion sprinter. So if you want to become a champion sprinter, young people, put a three-and-a-half-pound axe in your <laughs> and say, be healed in the name of Jesus, and, and just put a Band-Aid on it and go run. It's like, ha! <laughs> and so... You see, there are so many times we measure everything by, by the way the world measures things, but we don't. We measure by the way heaven does things. And that's the cultural shift. Christianity has always been cultural, anti-cultural as far as the world is concerned, counter-cultural as far as thinking is concerned. And so we've been on this journey. I had all of that, but then one day, at quarter past eight on the 12th of March, 1995, the Holy Spirit just fell in our church and we refuse to let him go and since then we have planted 12 churches we have given over two million dollars to overseas missions and we were not a rich church we were over 60 percent on government subsidies support benefits etc and yet God supplies as in checks, anonymous checks in the mail, as in money suddenly appearing in bank accounts. And when we would go to say, where did that money come from? They said, all it shows up is an interbank transfer. We know which bank that came from. And so, and so now we have 700 people just in my church. And, and, and so we went from 130, including children, not counting pregnant women twice. And so... I want to encourage you on your journey because it works. It works because it's God's plan. This is how church started. People forget how church actually started. Church started on the day of Pentecost as a glorious, holy, chaotic mess. It started on the day of Pentecost as something where people said, Why do these people look drunk? 
That's how church started, and yet we've forgotten that's the way God chose to establish the church, His church on earth. And then He goes, that was with the Jews, and so then He goes to the Gentiles in Samaria, Samaria and does exactly the same. And then Paul goes to Europe and does exactly the same. And so then he's come to Scotland and wants to do exactly the same. Because he's the Lord who changes not. So whether you feel comfortable or not with it, God is really comfortable with it. And so, I want to tell you about one quick story about Splosh. You see, where I got that from was in Azusa Street in 1906. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and that sort of became the benchmark for around the world, although the people have been speaking in tongues before and everything else. But children, a cloud of glory would come into the room, a physical cloud that you could see, and children would gather up this cloud in their arms and walk along with this cloud, like gather it up, and then just go plomp on someone. <laughs> and miracles would happen, and healings would happen, and they would just gather it up and just go, <laughs> and so, <laughs> if it's good enough to do it in those bunch of rebels over in America, it's good enough to do it anywhere. But more than that, God has a river. A river, he's not inviting us to just go splosh with. He's wanting us to drink of that river. And he's wanting us to jump in the river. I mean, let's just go jump in the river and pull a wave over our head. I mean, it's like, oh yeah. So... Religion is boring. God never is. And if you're starting to find church boring, then you better just encounter God. Because God's never boring. You know, people have said to me, why have you never backslided? Backslidden, thank you. My brain gets a bit woozy. But I've never been drunk on alcohol in my life, but boy, this is so good. It's free. Jesus paid for it. <laughs> so, so God, God is the biggest interrupter and the most fun person you can imagine. You know, religion has painted this picture of, oh, you got to watch out, God. He's not like that. He rejoices over us with singing. I was, loved the fact of that shout this morning. I was thinking, you know what? So many scriptures just went flashing through my brain about where it says, shout to the Lord. He has triumphed mightily. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's like some people, they have joy. Yeah, well, they've got joy, right? <laughs> they just forgot where they put it. And so, and then you get the people who say, oh, I've got deep joy. Yeah, deep joy. Yeah, deep joy. They buried it down in China or somewhere. It's like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
<clears throat> when I went to Sunday school, which was last millennium, we would sing, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, you know, and all sorts of songs like that. Every revival has had joy songs. Go back through the centuries. Every revival has had joy songs because that's what God is crashing in upon us. And so we're learning how to cooperate with God instead of trying to figure God out. If you think your pea brain can figure out God, go get a life. Because the God of the university tells us we cannot understand him. So don't try to figure out God. You just believe him. When all's said and done, you got your cell phone there, mate? No, you have, well, can I have yours? It's okay, it's safe. I'll only break it. How many know how to use one of these things? Of course we do. Especially the young people. Selfie. Not one of us know how that works. No one on planet Earth can tell you how that works. My background is electrical engineering. No one can tell you how that, because no one can explain the electromagnetic spectrum. And yet we use it and have no problems. No one can explain God, but let's cooperate and be used by God and bring God to earth and bring heaven to earth and demonstrate that the God you can't understand and you can't explain is the God who comes and does things that are glorious and magnificent and wonderful and show yeah. Oh, so, that was just so I can get to the next one. <laughs> Don't break the chair. <laughs> Hello, young lady. <laughs> Did you see what happened to her? It was awesome, eh? <laughs> I love the way people look at me like, can I trust you? No. <laughs> Do you know this lady? Oh, is that, is that your mum? <laughs> He's going to go, oh no, that's my mum. <laughs> She's a bit noisy, isn't she? <laughs> Don't be embarrassed about this. This is God. This is good. <laughs> Are you having fun? <laughs> she was doing announcements in the conference. It was so good. She should go and work for British Airways or something. Now, if you need the exits, there it is. And if you go this way, there it is. I mean, she should be on the National Dance Academy or something. It's like, ah. Oh, sorry. It was your mum I was going for. Excuse me, you're getting ahead of the party? I haven't got there yet. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, <laughs> Now we say, what's this got to do with church? I want to read a couple of verses just to prove I'm a good preacher. 
First Thessalonians chapter 5, here's Paul telling a church how to stay in revival. Here's Paul telling a church how it is to keep a move of God going. Here's Paul telling us how we should live our lives. And these are just a few verses. But he says, and, and just for the sake of time, uh, verse 16 says, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. I was in a conference and in New Zealand and, and I was asked to speak and then a man came up to me. He said, can you, tell me, can you preach about anything except joy? I said, yes, I, I, tonight I'm going to preach about something different. He said, oh, praise the Lord. You know, and, and I said, tonight I'm going to talk about gladness. And so, <laughs> because joy, gladness and rejoicing is the fourth biggest theme of Scripture. The biggest theme is God. The second one is Jesus. The third biggest theme is holiness and righteousness. And the fourth biggest one is joy, gladness, and rejoicing. It outnumbers love three to one. And yet we so often say, oh, it's all about love. Joy is what releases love. Joy is what keeps you in love. And God so wants us to love Him. He pours out joy, not grumpiness, sobriety. People say to me, oh yeah, but you need to have order in the church. Absolutely we need order in the church. I believe in orderly services. If you go through to those toilets and there's a sign up out of order, it means it's broke. It's not working. We've got to have order in the church and divine order and stuff is working. There's healings, there's deliverances, there's joy, there's gladness, there's rejoicing. It's working. But sitting there like sardines, waiting to be made into a sandwich, that's not working. That's called death. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I've come that you might have life and all its fullness. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray continually. Oh, that's right, pray. Father, if it be your will, would you please fix the cat? I mean, honestly, this is some of the prayers that go on everywhere. That's not what the Bible calls prayer. What the Bible calls prayer is that we are releasing God's purposes. We are releasing God's thoughts. We are releasing what God wants to do. How does God intend to change a city? The New Testament is written in the context of cities, not local churches. And so how does he do it? He pours out, you look in the book of Acts, and it says, great joy would fill the city. It says deliverances would happen Healings and miracles would happen and great joy would fill the city. But we read the New Testament as if that's nice poetic language. It's not. It's descriptive of what literally happened. Hoo-yah! One of these days I'm going to preach a good sermon, but until then I'm having fun. By the way, if you think I'm enthusiastic... Get ready, because I'm working on my enthusiasm. <laughs> That's a pun, because the word enthusiasm literally means, it's a Greek word, which literally means God in you. Yeah. N, 
in theos. Theos is the Greek word for God. God at work in you. That's the literal meaning of enthusiasm. And so we say, I'm enthusiastic about church. Some people go to church to save subscriptions for the gym. Did, did you know that? It's true. They, they go to church because then they can do all their exercise. I'm not talking about this. I have to explain. This is in the other countries I go to. Because here, such holy people in Scotland, you won't know what I'm talking about. But they go to church and they, they sit there and they sit there and then they do their exercises. So their neck is exercised. And then they do the stretching exercises. You see, you, you, I can tell you don't know what I'm talking about, so it's okay. And they go. <laughs> and then they do the arm exercises. But it's the breathing exercises that are so important. <laughs> it saves going to the gym, so they go to church. But not, the, not here. Praying continually. The Bible says in Isaiah that prayer and joy go together. I will give you joy in the place of prayer. When he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. When God said that, he also knew that he had already linked prayer and joy together. So prayer meetings are supposed to be some of the most joyful occasions that it's possible to have. You don't sit there and go, oh, oh. I mean, honestly, if you look that miserable, no wonder God doesn't turn up. It's like, why does God want to join a misery party when he's the God who wants to fill you with all joy? And so, as I said over the conference, Believe me, forced joy is better than genuine depression. And so then it goes on to say, give thanks in all circumstances. We're going to come back to that one because that's the tripping point for most people. Because people go, but look at my circumstances and look at this and look at that. How can I give thanks? And then it says, do not quench the spirit. And we have that when revival starts coming. You get people say, I don't want to look like that. I've had people say to me, I don't want to be as drunk as you. You don't have to be as drunk as me. You can be twice as drunk. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I need help, Duncan. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that was an ambush. <laughs> <laughs> So, 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 so. <laughs> He's done such a good job over the weekend. Oh, uh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Do not quench. Don't quench the spirit. And, and some of you, you get a feeling like a little bubble. It's not, it's not too much pizza at night. It's letting the joy of the Lord suddenly come out. People tell me, they say, oh, I've got the joy inside. Well, for goodness sake, let your face know it. And so, <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> Just go right ahead. Let your face know it. Whoa, sure. 
And then it says, do not treat prophecies with contempt and, and, and test them all. Oh, that's right. All these prophecies, we've got to test them all. Uh, yeah, yeah. But what? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you test it with faith and belief, not with doubt and scorn. If you've got doubt and scorn, you're not in the queue. You've got to test it with faith and belief. Whoa! It's like if you go for a driver's license, you don't get tested by someone who can't drive. <laughs> That's like how you're going to have a road crash. And there's too many churches that have had road crashes because people who couldn't drive decided to try and test those who could. Whoa! And no wonder there's train wrecks all over the place. Whoa! And then it says, reject every kind of evil. Absolutely. I love what Albert Einstein did. One of the greatest scientists that have ever lived. God gave him this amazing capacity for all this stuff. And he defined evil. And his definition of evil was the greatest scientist in the last 200 years said evil is the absence of God. Avoid every place where God is not in the equation. Avoid every activity where God is left out of the equation. That's what Paul is saying. Someone go and bless what that's happening to that lady right now. There, there, Therese, go back and bless her, will you? God's touching her right now. And so we want to bless what God's doing. People say, you're chasing a manifestation. No, we're blessing what God's doing in this meeting right now. And you see, that means we can all be part of what God's doing. The Bible says we're members of each other. Don't... Don't have surgery and cut yourself off from what God is doing right now. Whoa, whoa, oh, that's good. And by the way, Teresa, it's, it's their drink, not yours. <laughs> so very quickly, I want to talk about this. So here's Paul giving a framework. This is the activities we engage in to keep ourselves in a revived state. This is what it is, to keep ourselves in the love of God. The Bible says, keep yourself in the love of God. You don't have someone else keep you there. You keep yourself there. You don't have someone else build you up. You build yourself up in your most holy faith. And here's Paul giving us instruction as to how we keep ourselves in this glow. Come on, brother, pick me up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, see, if you keep me on my legs, I'm good. <laughs> you say you're strange. You better believe it's strange. <laughs> That's why the Bible says as if something strange had happened to us. The only reason this is strange is because the church backslid. I was in a conference and I said, this is how church started and then it backslid. And all these pastors looked at me like, are you saying we're backslidden? Yes, thank you for listening. It's like... <laughs> Whoa! Because we live by the Spirit. 
We don't live by the soul. We don't live by the body. We live by the Spirit. And so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of life. And so we just need more of Him. He doesn't make sense to the natural man. Paul tells us that. He says the things of the Spirit are at war, at enmity. We can read the English word enmity and go, yeah, yeah, that's not very good. It literally means war with the things of the Spirit. But I just want to quickly this morning talk about this thing and everything give thanks. To stay in revival, thanksgiving is a major key. To stay in revival, if you're not a thankful person, you're going to drift, you're going to get seduced by the devil and your own human flesh is going to take you out of it. I'm going to talk very briefly about two people, Jonah and David. David is known as the great psalmist. David is known, if you look at, at this, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Sort of. <laughs> David is known as the great psalmist. If you look at the Psalms, all the way through the Psalms, he's going, in our English Bible, we read thankfulness, thanksgiving, thank, 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 thank. <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> People asked me last night as we left, they says, you must be utterly bushed. You must be whacked. You must be, and I go, what do you mean? I drink on the job. <laughs> this is the only job in the world you can drink on the job and get away with it. <laughs> Outside our church, we, we have the police sometimes do breathalyzer tests on people. It's so much fun because there are two signs for, for being drunk. One is you're driving very slow or, the, or, or driving a bit erratically. And so people can pull them up. And we've had times when the police have tried to get into the car to get the keys and the Holy Spirit whacks the policeman. It's so much fun. <laughs> Please go, I don't know what's happening to me, but <laughs> you say, well, <sighs> oh, and so David and Psalm 18, I just got, I mean, you could go through the whole of the Psalms and you'll find him saying there, bow, 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 bow. Mm. About, about Thanksgiving, yeah, well, this is great close fellowship, eh? <laughs> the Lord lives, blessed be my rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, Lord, and sing praises to your name. Wow. He, he goes on, what? This is the man who's been rejected by his family. So when the prophet came to town, he's just left up on the hills. Everyone else wanted to take the, the prophet's anointing, but... David just got left out of it. He had spears thrown at him. He's hunted, he says, through the wilderness like a, like a bird waiting to be turned into dinner. And so, but he can still say, I'm going to give thanks to you. I'm going to give thanks to you. Boom, you think you've got a problem? Try David's shoes. You know what? There's a saying we've, in New Zealand, there was, this, it might have been even come from here. Never criticize someone till you've walked a mile in their shoes. 
Have you heard that saying? Yeah, I believe that. You know why? Because then you're a mile away and they've got no shoes. (laughs) They ain't going to get you then. So David was there. He says, I'll give thanks to you forever. You've turned my morning into dancing. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to shout. Oh, no, not that shout. Oh, shocking. Do you know what the Bible says? Of course you do. You're good people. It says shouts of joy and victory are in the tents of the righteous. Oh, that's right, the righteous. They go to church and they dress up nicely. They do their hair just right. Some of you had to, you know, God loves you more than he loves some of, me, some of you more than he loves me. Because, you know, it says he numbers our hair even every day. And so, like, some of you, he just has to spend a lot of time with me. It's a passing visit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Done. I could never decide which way to part my hair. So I just chose the wide part. In Asia, I, go to, I used to go to Asia a lot, and uh, face is a big thing. It's this expression over there, you know, the way you look at your face. I, I would tell them, oh, man, I've got the longest face in this place. It starts way back there and comes all the way forward, you know. It's like, people say to me, how can you tease yourself like you do? Because it's fun. <laughs> I mean, why make yourself miserable when you can make yourself happy? It's your choice. I mean, stop sucking on lemons when you can st- suck on the joy of the Lord. I mean, I mean, why look like you're baptized in lemon juice when you can be absolutely filled with the joy of the Lord? And so, then there's a well-known psalm, which was probably in this magnificent building, recited a hundred times. I, I, I know how it is, and someone would, you know, I was really tempted to preach from there this morning. <laughs> I thought that would be so much fun that it was there. And someone would have gone, this is, they would have said, you know, let us read the word of the Lord. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. I lead pastors' networks, and it's so much fun because you can sit there having a cup of tea, and then, then you're talking about the rugby, and I can talk about the rugby today because the All Blacks won again last night, and so don't talk about the cricket too often. And so the, and, and, and we can talk about it, and then we say, let's pray. And so this man that's been talking to me just like this, suddenly he says, oh, loving Father, and I look at him like, what just happened? He was talking to me like this. And then when it comes to pray, it's like this entombed voice comes out. It's like, man, give that man deliverance. And so it's like, (laughs) I prayed for a few of those people. There was an Anglican vicar in our city. He said, I want what you've got. I says, right, here it is. And then suddenly his voice changed. And he went like, I don't know how to speak anymore. (laughs) This word, thanksgiving, in English, 
we have a word, thanks, thanksgiving. But in Hebrew, they had two words. They had the word yada, which is not saying yada, 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 yada. It's the word yada, which means I've got my arms stretched out in worship, but I'm looking backwards for what God has already done. But they have another word, tura. And that word also is like, with our hands expressed with worship and praise, we're actually thanking God for what we haven't yet got. Like, a simple expression of that is when you sit down to say grace. You sit there, you have no idea how bad that food's going to be, but you say, thank you, Lord. You know, there are many graces you can pray. Some of them is, Lord, thank you for the cook, that she's not trying to poison me. Thank you, Lord. Lord, give me, make me able for all that's on the table. We're we're staying with some magnificent people, and that's the sort of grace we pray. There's other times when I pray the grace, Lord, give me pluck to eat this muck, and it's like... I mean, they put food in there and you say like, well, I was just in the Philippines just a few weeks ago and, and it's, it was there like, I have no idea what's in there. <laughs> Lord, save my body. <laughs> There's many times when you go to places and they say, oh, would you like to eat this? No, I'm fasting today. Just give me a cup of coffee, please. <laughs> It's like, yeah. But this word Torah means we're saying, thank you, Lord. And when it says, enter his courts, when you walked in there today, you should have walked in saying, God, I thank you for the encounter I'm about to have. I thank you that you're going to change me. How many know we come to church to be changed? I'll talk to church on this side. How many know that you come to church to be changed? That's what it is. We walk in here and we go God you're going to change me because I'm going to go from glory to glory I'm going to go from victory to victory I'm, I'm not going to walk out of there the same you know we can come in Jesus said come unto me with your burdens and you go out free because where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and, and people say to me I don't feel like dancing today well maybe not but I'm going to pray for you in a minute and you'll dance alright you'll spin you'll go like this and that and it's, it's like God loves dancing in the church it's like, wow, it's all through the Old Testament. So why did he suddenly stop on the day of Pentecost? And suddenly we stopped from being vibrant worshipers into people who, I mean, honestly, no wonder the world in many cases doesn't want to come to church. They say, we say to them, oh, you know, come along. You need to know Jesus. Come along. And the world goes, you want me to look as miserable as you? No, thanks. It's like, no, the, the joy of the Lord The first two evangelistic invitations in the New Testament are not come and listen, it's come and see. So we better put on a show that the world likes to come and see. We have people say to me, what's your evangelism like? Our best evangelism is fire tunnels. People come, it's so good. There's one young man, he's one of the leaders in my church now. He came into church because someone had said to him, come to church. He said, boring. And they said, oh, no, 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 this isn't boring. Come. And so he comes in 
and he saw us start a fire tunnel and he went, oh, I'm going to prove this is a bunch of fluffy ducks and fakes. So he stands at the end of the line and goes, I don't believe in this God stuff and this is a bunch of yeah, other stuff. I won't say his language. And so he comes in. As he entered the fire tunnel, suddenly the power of God hits him. He's now a human missile, literally, off the ground, over, a, over three feet off the ground. And he's flying through, literally like this. I grabbed it in the end, put him down on the ground. And at that moment, he got instantly delivered from demons, from drug abuse, from alcoholism, from sex, rock and roll, and all the other junk that's offered by the world. And he got up, and he was a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things had passed away, and all things had been made new. And so we baptized him a couple of weeks later. And we say to people, you know, just give a short testimony. And so he stands up, excuse me, but I'm just saying what happened. He stands up and he goes, I was all effed up. And this was this. And, and, and the language was like. <laughs> and it was so good because he hadn't learned the language of heaven. It was just that was he was describing what it was. And now he's a great soul winner. Now he's a great person who's leading young people. And and it didn't happen by trying to give him more information. It gave him by giving an encounter with the power of God. Whoa! I will enter with thanksgiving. The prayer of faith. The declaration of what's about to happen. You have no idea what God might want to do for you in the next two minutes. I said the next two minutes. Oh, well, you've got to get to the end of the sermon and then we'll just pray because, you know, you're not to neglect the preaching of the word. The preaching of the word can be as much as this. People say to me, how you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm having fun. Are you? Yeah, me too. Oh. <laughs> It's just, the, you know, my, my mother says, ladies first, and my mother's got a finger longer than a witch's broomstick. Like, <laughs> and she said, son, you've got to be a gentleman. And so, you know, it's like, You're not, you don't have as good a halo as me. You've still got, <laughs> you've still got some up there. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but there's always exceptions. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome team, sometimes our foyer is just a collection of bodies because people are coming, oh, how are you doing? We're going this way <laughs> because I, 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 I don't think I've prayed for you this weekend, have I? No. See, I remember. I'm clever, eh? 
Holy Spirit, more. more. Were you cold before? You're going to get hot soon. <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed your hair up a bit. <laughs> Could you do me a favor? Could you just lay hands on that lady there? And this is what you do. One, two, three, fire. <laughs> Don't knock your mother to the floor. <laughs> So good. Uh, uh, I'm so thankful for sound men. <laughs> I love your look. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going this way. <laughs> She's going, oh no. <laughs> Oh no, he's, he's, oh, I, thought I'd, I thought I was safe at the back. <laughs> no, they're in the spitting range. These are in the walking range. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Hello, sir. You look like you don't trust me either. <laughs> but I just want to say, thanksgiving for what God's about to do is what will keep you. It will sustain you. It'll keep joy going. It'll keep love going. It'll keep relationships going. Thanksgiving, just simple thanksgiving. And, and, and that's the sort of thing that he says, be, in everything, give thanks. Because when trouble comes, what can you do? You can thank God. You are my deliverer. You are my rescuer. You can get me out of this hole. You can thank God that he's the one who's faithful to his promises. You can thank God that he's the one who has never let you down. He's the one who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. In the midst of the darkest moments of your life, you can still thank God and say, I can trust in you. I can believe you because you've never failed me yet. And the reality is this, God is faithful. God is faithful. I'm 65 years of age, which nearly makes me a dinosaur. But the reality is this, in, in all my life, He's never let me down in the darkest moments of my life. He's never let me down when our foster daughter drowned and I was supposed to be responsible. He never let me down and He was my glory and the lifter of my head and I didn't live my life in shame and remorse and heartbrokenness. I'm here today because in the darkest moments of my life, He set my feet on a rock and I didn't slip and I didn't stow and I didn't backslide and I didn't doubt God and I didn't get angry with God. I just said, God, God, I don't understand, but you are my glory and my lifter of my head. And whoa, I'll do it from here for a minute. Oh, 
And that's why the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. And everything. When you're going through trouble, give thanks for who God is. When you're struggling, give thanks. When you're doubting, give thanks. Because thanks will bring faith. Whoa. Whoa. Thanks will bring deliverance. Thanks will do what you can't do. Because you're declaring who God is, not who you are. You don't have to spend your life saying, I'm a failure. Don't do it. Give thanks that He's the victor that has overcome. Give thanks that He's in all things more than conqueror. Whoa, shakala. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Come around this way. Come around this way. This is how it works. That's it. On your feet. Whoa, that's it. (laughs) Oh, get me respectful. <laughs> I was preaching at a conference and it was, it was a fivefold. So they had nationally recognized apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And we we're all talking on the same theme. It was awesome because it brought in all the colors. So I started the conference as the apostle. And, and the Bible teacher was the next one the next morning. And he said to the evangelist, Afterwards, he said, what's up with Seth? Why, why, why can't he just preach? I mean, all this drunkenness and, and falling on the ground and everything. And, and, and the evangelist said to him, yeah, but did you notice how people were finishing his sentences for him? Did you notice they were that level of engaged? Yeah, and, he, and then the evangelist said, and in a month's time, which one do you reckon they'll remember, him or you? And they went, well, that's not fair. <laughs> So in closing, which is just letting you know I'm getting hungry too. (laughs) We'll go backwards, bro. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Back the train, back the train. I'm in the middle of writing a book, and the title of the book is Leading from the Floor. And so... (laughs) People thought that that was appropriate. It says here, In Hebrews 13, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of something that costs you something. David said, I will not bring an offering that costs me nothing. And when we praise the Lord, we're forgetting about ourselves. We're forgetting about our comfort. We're forgetting about all the stuff that the world flaps around us. And we're saying, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Through Jesus, therefore... He's stuck up in heaven, but his spirit is with us through Jesus, through his spirit here. We can sacrifice praise. I don't know how you want to do it, but this is what I do. Now you say, I can't talk in tongues. Not yet. But who knows? In the next few minutes as we praise the Lord, it might be that you start to do it. And whatever you do, when those strange words start happening, don't shut your mouth. I've had some people say, I want to speak in tongues. 
don't know about you, but there's a physical law which says it's really hard to speak when your mouth's stuck tight with doubt and unbelief. You can stay like that for eternity and you'll still never speak in tongues. Here lies the body of Joseph Gray. He wanted to speak in tongues, but he refused to open his mouth. (laughs) The Bible says, open your mouth and you give God a chance. But I'll tell you what Thanksgiving also does. What did Jesus do when he was about to feed 5,000? We all know that Jesus was the one who invented fish burgers at McDonald's. You didn't know that. I mean, around the rest of the world, we call McDonald's the Scottish restaurant. McDonald's. If you didn't know that, that's how we call it. Have you been to the Scottish restaurant lately? No. And then you get the Jesus menu. Fill it a fish. That's the Jesus menu. Because he was the one who took some bread and some fish and slapped them together. He started it. That's awesome. That's why it's my favorite burger at the Scottish restaurant. And so it's like. Can we have a joke? Can, can we have some jokes just for a minute? No, you, you don't look happy enough for that. See, I'm, I'm naughty. You might have noticed that. I just have a, a little spirit of mischief. Like I was in America and, and preaching in, in, in April and uh, they asked me to start their conference and all these bunch of holy people. And so I put a map of the world up, which actually was the other way around. So there was Australia, New Zealand and Australia and the rest of the world hung around the bottom. And I said, as you can see, America is a little country off the coast of New Zealand. <laughs> And they were all telling me the map was wrong. I said, it's not wrong. I've got it. <laughs> it's printed. It's, it's, it's real. And because and, it's all about perspective. It's about, because we, we all put ourselves in a, in a place of perspective. And, and so, you know, I was there. I was, down in, I was down in England speaking a few years ago. And, of course, they were all sitting there like, they were checking me out. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> So I, I love the United Kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my British heritage. And so my, my ancestors, Fawcett's, were on the first boat into Christchurch in the South Island, the first settlers. They, they were escaping early. And so... But I love the fact that the United Kingdom is made up of four nations. There's the Welsh that prey on their knees and on their neighbours... There's the Scots who keep the Sabbath and anything else they can get their hands on. <laughs> There's the Irish. The Irish who don't know what they want, but they're willing to fight for it. <laughs> and there's the English who consider themselves a self-made race and thus relieve the Almighty of a terrible responsibility. <laughs> and I'm... You can stone me outside afterwards. (laughs) 
But as we close, Jesus gave thanks and thousands were fed. When there was 4,000 to be fed with seven loaves and a few fish, what did he do? He gave thanks and the miracle got released. They hadn't had the miracle, but he gave thanks. It's the same word as, God, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you because thanks releases the glory of God. And that's why it says in everything, give thanks. You may not be filled with joy yet, but you can thank God for the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. You may not yet be filled with faith, but you can thank God for the faith which brings the victory. You may not yet know what it is to know the fullness and the freedom of the Holy Spirit, but you can give thanks because that will open the door for the miracles. Can you stand with me, please? I'm happy to pray with people. I'm sure the ministry team is after this. I know we've, we've run out of time. I'm, I'm, I'm a man of too many words. But right now, what the Lord said is, we've said at the beginning that there's things that you need to do. And I want us to spend a little time of thanking God. Thanking God. Thanking God. And so... I'm not talking about thinking God. There's a difference between meditating and thanking. Thanking is vocal. Thanking is verbal. Thinking is the silent stuff. And there's a lot of people who confuse it. It's two different words. So over the next little while, we're not thinking God. We're going to thank God. Okay, so in, in your own voice. And don't do it politely. Polite is not heaven. Heaven is not polite. Heaven is messy, glorious, noisy, and magnificent. And so, read the book of Revelation. And it's just describing an incredible chaos up there. Let's have some chaos in Glasgow. So go ahead. Thank God. You might be needing God, needing things from God, but don't tell Him your needs. Thank Him that He's your provider. You might need healing. Don't tell Him all about your sickness. Thank Him that He's your health. Don't, you might need victory over something. Just thank God. He is your deliverer. Go ahead and thank Him for who He is right now. Thank Him for what He has done. Thank Him for, more importantly, what He's about to do. Thank Him for revival in Glasgow. Thank Him for cities being transformed by the glory of God. Thank Him for churches once again being filled with the praises of the Lord. Thank Him that the joy of the Lord is going to fill the city. Go ahead and start to thank thank Him right now. Lord, we thank You that the joy of the Lord is going to fill Glasgow. We thank You that the streets are going to know the sound of the joy of the Lord. We thank You, Lord, that we may be few, but it only took 12 people to change the world. It only took 120 people on the day of Pentecost, and there's more than the day of Pentecost here today. So we say thank You, Lord, that if You could fill Jerusalem with the joy of the Lord, that You can fill Glasgow with the joy of the Lord. We thank You, 
Lord, that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or even think. And so we thank you, Lord, for victory. We thank you, Lord, that you are changing us. We thank you, Lord, that you put a new song in our mouth, even praise to our God, and many shall see it and shall rejoice and shall know the victory and the overcoming power of God. We thank you, Lord, that there is a song, the sound of heaven to be released, and you are releasing it, and it started to be released here in Glasgow. And we, whoa, whoa, whoa. Go ahead, lay hands on yourself and stir up the gift of thanksgiving. Stir up the joy. Stir up the power. Whoa, Shakela. Whoa.